Episode 6, Hand Built from Junk. I talk with Al about building his new office, whether infographics are helpful, the best way to embed video on a website, and how to protect against WordPress hacks. So, it's Friday afternoon, Al. 7th of October. It's nearly the end of the year what's coming up to it. How are you? I'm okay. There's only 12 Fridays until Christmas. Oh, don't say it like that. Uh, not including today, so that's 11, I think. So, uh, yeah. It's yeah, gone so quickly. The first half of the year, up till about March, was lovely. I felt like I was getting lots done. I felt the year was, um, the time was going slowly. I was productive. It was great. And then after March, it just disappeared. I know, same as me. I, it's like I've been in a coma and woken up. I think, where did the entire... Six months ago, I yeah. don't know. And it only gets worse as we get older, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, it does seem to go faster. You young'uns, you've got it easy. <laughs> so how are you doing? Are you well? Yes, thank you. I'm very well. Good. And um, what have you been up to recently since we last spoke? Uh, obviously working on a lot of different websites and designs. Doing quite a lot of designing, actually, at the moment. More yeah. designing than building. So that's good. I've got my sort of creative hat on, as it were. So that's quite interesting. And just working on different designs concurrently. Just making sure there's no kind of crossover in there. <laughs> they all look the because, same. Well, that's it. It's They're quite different personalities. So you've got to sort of focus on one and then sort of move to the next one. But yeah, quite enjoying the creative bit for a while at the moment. So yeah, and then start on the building side of it, which will again be concurrent. So uh, Yeah, we've got quite a few hmm. projects stacked up, which is is unusual. I know, nobody ever wants to hire us. <laughs> That's not that's not true. <laughs> Yay, we lucked out this time. No, it's unusual <laughs> to have them booked up into the future. I mean, we always have work. We always have ever since uh, since I've been running a company. I've always found ways of uh, extracting money out of people, but um, in the nicest possible way. So they get good value for it. But we've never um, had anything lined up really until next year. You know, I mean, it's it's amazing. But it's then a challenge from a scheduling point of view as to how we fit that in so that you and I aren't overworked and we can still deliver good value. So that's an interesting challenge. But and also from your point of view that you don't actually run the projects into each other. That there's enough mm. gap between them and enough surrounding them that you get to enjoy them. Exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's and good. Of course, projects I'm... always over. Well, not always overrun, but they always have other things especially at the beginning of a project you don't really know what's going to happen so yeah oh there's so much and actually the project we're working on currently they're a startup but they're going on from an existing business actually a bit like how we came out of Freud and became rather inventive Mm. we had a going concern but we were effectively a new business rebranding so there's a lot to do very quickly and that's challenging in its own right. There's a lot of material that needs to be developed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in fact, I think you might, you're going to talk about some of the questions that have come out of that later. Have you been up to anything interesting? Anything else happening in your life? <laughs> no, these, these are pretty boring Just life, work. really. So, you're uh, building a shed, yeah. though, aren't you? No, I, I, am building a, I, I am building a garden office. And, and that has um, not quite got out of the mud, <laughs> the mud at the moment. It's getting there. Yeah, so I've laid my first pack. Explain your dream. So I'm trying to get out of the house, (laughs) into the garden, (laughs) the growing family. Like a lot of people these days who work from home, it's not always healthy to work in your bedroom. So Yeah, but you've uh, been pushed out by two children now. I've been pushed out, yes. I think it's healthy to have just somewhere else to go to work. Even if it's just in the garden, it's just Mm. location is really important. Just somewhere different. So, yeah, I'm building a, uh, it's not even a log cabin, it's it's a cabin. I'm hand building it from junk, effectively, or anything I can get my hands on. So I'm, I'm looking to build it for £2,000, and it's going to be a proper insulated garden room. So it, that's a bit of a challenge, because they're, they're normally like 
10 grand yeah yeah the price eight or ten grand. Yeah. so yeah i'm looking to build it as ever on a shoestring but not sacrificing on quality side no i think, <laughs> I think it price. would look good i mean looking at looking at the parts of your house where you've actually done the same thing i think it works really well because you, you're talented at doing that and putting it together and you've got the will to do it which i think is important uh, i think the biggest challenge you, you'll have is power um power is a thing yes power is a, it's, i've got a unique problem in that i don't own the bit between my house and my garden it's separate and I cannot lay a, a power cable down it. So yeah, I've been working out ways to create power. Obviously, I've got the whole off-grid idea. So I've got solar or wind. Again, I don't think those would sustain a kind of mini heater and a computer all the time reliably. Mm -hmm. So actually, what I've come to the conclusion lately, I think this is my plan A, is is to treat it a little bit like a kind of space pod, like, yeah. a, kind of, like a spaceship, which needs oh, its own right, power. Yeah. So it's kind of it's its own thing. So I'm not, I'm not going to run a cable up to it permanently. But I think what I'm going to power it with is a forklift truck battery. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because <laughs> they just are kind of perfect. They're very big, They're like a huge battery bank. They You can buy a battery bank, like secondhand forklift truck batteries. There's like 28 kilowatts of power in it. Given my sort of usage of it, I think that can last possibly 10 days. Wow. Yeah, between docking. <laughs> so that's a, that's a nice way to approach it to treat it as if you are in outer space and you you there is no way you maybe can bring supplies to it but effectively it's isolated yes. yeah okay well keep us up to date on that i want to I see will. pictures um we'll try and share them if that's okay with you al when when you um when we have them as you're building it i'd like to of course. then you can be hold to uh everyone can be judging what you're doing <laughs> um no I'm, I'm quite excited i mean as you know i built mine but i mean you I, I had fewer constraints than you and I could run a cable up the garden so it's a lot easier. I mean that just a lot of the power issues that I was thinking about how I might run heater particularly that's the that's the trickiest bit because we've got a laptop so that that's very easy to run on battery but running a heater even a low wattage heater is tough so I'm, I'm excited to see how you're going to get around this. <laughs> yeah it's going to be good but actually looking into it and again this is you know technical uh, technological sort of innovation I was looking at a new kind of concept called like house batteries yeah, you know everyone. Well, not everyone, but there's a there was a big surge of solar panels. The excess energy kind of goes back into the grid. But what Panasonic and Tesla are sort of making at the moment is this concept of the power not going back into the grid, but the power going back into an enormous battery mm -hmm. that sits in your house. And it's the battery technology is just improving and improving. And I think it is going to be the future of sort of power. Now, um, whether they get more efficient. No, I think so. There is actually a company. I should remember their name. I'm trying to look for it now. Um, let's see if I can find this. Um, there's a company, Powerflow. Uh, my dad's got an engineering firm in Hereford. And uh, in, in their offices, they've actually got a small company there called Powerflow. And they make one of these battery pack systems. Okay. That um, will take solar, you know, unused solar energy and then dump it into the battery um, during That's, the day. Yes, okay. And then you yeah. use it. You, you're meant to use it at night, but obviously this is a different situation. And they're lithium ion, I think. Yeah, that sounds like these that's... Tesla batteries. Yeah, they need to yeah. get, they need to, get, they need to get on, on the case marketing it before like, Tesla of, um, and, I think, and Panasonic uh, yeah, you, come you on can, the scene. You can, I think, with Tesla, they just certainly with their car, they're buying standard lithium-ion batteries and just wiring them up. I mean, they're nothing special about them, and they're then they're having to sort of seal them in resin, from what I know. But anyway, we're, we're sort of drifting mm. off topic a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's going to be an interesting challenge. I'd like to see what you do there, because it's, uh, I think that could be useful for a lot of people. I've not been quite up to so many interesting things. I did go for a walk with a few clients, though. And that was, um, unfortunately, you couldn't come out. I think you would have loved it, but uh, you just couldn't afford the time away from your newborn. But it was led by a guy called John Johnson, who is business mentor, coach, uh, all-round nice guy. 
uh, and he's been working with a lot of businesses in Hereford and I got to know him through the Fastershire program that I'm working with the Hereford Council on. And he basically organised a walk with a few clients, uh, Nick, who's been on the podcast, and another Alex from Communion Architects in Hereford. And we had a walk up Hay Bluff, which is um, just to the west of Hereford. Um, lovely place, really, really nice. I haven't been up there since I was a child. In fact, I haven't been walking for any that distance. I think it's about 11 miles or 12 miles. I haven't walked that distance for quite some time. Right, okay. Uh, I wasn't fully prepared. In fact, I forgot to bring my lunch and had to. I just had lots of chocolate with me. But that's the that same. is a rookie error, right I know, there. I know. I blame John. I didn't think the walk would be so long. But anyway, it was. There's lovely. no little shops up there. You know? I know there aren't. There it's aren't. the countryside. It's, it's not Snowden. <laughs> um, but it's lovely. Went for a walk, and it was. It's something that he does a lot um, with clients as part of getting to know the clients and getting to um, bring them outside of the office is to take them on a walk first and take their teams on a walk and basically um, get to know them individually. And I think it's a really, really good idea. So that's something he did for us. I've got a few photos which I'll share on the, the show notes. Um, but that was lovely. So thank you, John, for that. That was that was brilliant. I had a, a great time. We I wanted to get more people listening to the podcast because I love listening to podcasts. And I think anyone who does gets really into it quite quickly and, and, and sees a, a big value in it. But it's quite difficult to get people over that barrier. A, what a podcast is. Uh, and B, why they should, you know, why they should use it. But I think the analogy for me is that anyone who listens to radio will find podcasts useful. And in fact, it's more useful because you can tailor the podcast for what your particular interests are. You also don't have to listen at a particular time because basically podcast is just an audio file that downloads to your phone when it's been released and you can listen to when you're free. For fans of the Archers, you can even get the Archers in podcast format. So there's just tons of audio content out there and a lot of it's free. There's some really, really good stuff. I mean, I'm a big um, tech head, so I listen to a lot of um, shows about computing technology. But there's ones about like marketing psychology. Um, there's some ones that are just planet money. So they, they talk about the economy, but in a fun way. They always got an, an interesting twist. 99% Invisible. That is about the little things in life that people just sort of walk by and don't see. Um, there's some fantastic ones. But anyway, Helen... Um, uh, Chris, who writes some of our articles and puts out our regular newsletter each month. So she's written um, a quick guide on how to listen to a podcast. I mean, obviously, you're listening to our podcast now to hear it. But I recommend if you want, if you're just starting out and there's a few podcasts that, uh, you know, you'd like some recommendations on, go and have a look at that. We've put some in at the end. Is it something, do you listen to podcasts much? I, I don't, I have to say. I'm one of these people who, I, I just don't. I just don't seem to have the time. I don't mean that in an arrogant way. No, 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 I know what you mean. Uh, and I, I can't work and listen to people talking at the same time. I just I just zone in. I, maybe I'm a typical man now. I can only do one thing at a time. Do you listen to <laughs> so anything again, when you work? Music. I can listen to music, hmm. but that isn't people talking or, and I'm no. not sort of taking on board anything useful from it. <laughs> uh, so that's fine. That just happens in the background. But no, I, I totally I find... agree. The, the only times I listen to podcasts are walking the dog, doing the dishes, maybe, and sometimes having a bath. And and then if I'm doing, like, uh, recently at home, we've had this huge pile of earth that has just kept growing while we've been doing up the house and various other things. And it was time to take it down and spread it around. And so it's a really boring job. And it's ideal to do that because you can listen to the podcast while you're doing it and actually makes the time fly pretty quickly. So it's useful for those times. But like you, I can't listen to them while I'm working. But cooking and other stuff like that, if I'm on my own, otherwise it annoys my wife and my kids get a bit bored by it. But 
it can be very useful at those times. There's a great one I recommend for you, Al, actually, if you want to start listening to them. And it's Boag World. Paul Boag. You might I have heard, I've listened to a couple of those in, in your car, yes. Yeah, okay. So I, I bored <laughs> you with those. But that's quite no, interesting. No. I mean, that's, a, that's about the web uh, development world. I mean, it, it's, um, it's not all techie. It tends to... Well, he talks about lots of different subjects. Um, mainly stuff that he just wants to know more about. So he'll he'll invite guests on to talk about them. So that's quite mm-hmm. a good one. Anyway, moving on. But yeah, you should have have a look. Um, if you haven't read it already, go and have a look at Helen's article. It's the latest one, I think, at the moment. But just a, a question maybe f- for you, Al, and, and just something I've been thinking of myself. We obviously, we've got this podcast. I think it works quite well. I certainly like doing it with you and talking about these things with you. But we also write articles that go on the website. Do you think there's value in converting those articles the text articles that go on our website into a audio as well and releasing them along with our podcast not the same time but in the same stream interesting so kind of uh okay yeah ben, ben reviews our blog posts so i i like to do a, a dramatic reading of the blog post i sort of like a jack and ori uh <laughs> <laughs> a story time yeah you can story say. time yeah uh, no, I, like, I like that idea it's more passive isn't it listening to someone reading to you rather than you having to mm-hmm. read something that's easy a bit like watching a video is easier than re- reading mm-hmm. a whole massive article so yeah i think there's some value in that for well, sure it's it's, it's uh, apple i've been thinking about uh, potentially doing it for some time but it's just getting around to it um but apple have released something in the us which isn't truly available in the uk although you can get access to it where they have made podcasts called spoken editions of online publications. Okay. Um, it's done through a, a separate service, but they basically get people to read out articles and then they'll publish each of those articles as a separate podcast. Um, mm. It's a neat idea. I, I mean, maybe not for everyone, but certainly um, the use cases, if you're driving in a car and you like reading that publication, but you never get around to reading all the articles, it's quite a good way of passively getting through them. They should get the people who would do Jack and Ori to do it. So you've got like Brian Blessed and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be quite good i like that i i was i was about to try a brian blessed um uh impression but i won't uh, no I it's one of those things you, yeah it's gonna go it'll you go can bad. do it or you can't and you do it very mm. badly no well maybe i'll start experimenting and see what people think i mean it's just a case of uh, time and whether people find it useful but certainly for me it's like you're right it's, see i have the problem i have with videos is i almost have to put my full attention to them that's what i feel even though you don't in all of them i feel that when i'm watching a video i have to watch the video but with a podcast, you don't. You can you can very easily get on with other things while you're listening to it. Um, so I thought that's why audio version might be better. But there's no reason you couldn't do the same thing in um, in a video as well. You could have a picture of me reading it out. I don't think that would be very interesting. Though. <laughs> Completely on its head. One idea I had a little while back was to have like printed versions of the internet. <laughs> so you would... That would be newspapers, I think. Kind of, but it would be a personalised newspaper. So it would be all of your friends' feeds off Facebook and all this sort of thing on Twitter. It's obviously, you sign up to this centralised service and sort of it would take all your social feeds and then every day it would produce a newspaper of yesterday's news and deliver it to you in the there, post. There is a little thing that does that. Oh, is that? Uh, it's called Little Printer. Ah, uh, but it would, it would deliver it to you rather than you having to print it out. Well, no, there, there were two things. Um, basically, ah. um, it's funny that a comedian said something about that, about how they're getting frustrated. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a roundup that um, someone would collate all the best bits of the internet and then, then yeah. print it out for you to read in the morning? It's like, oh, yes. we've got I suppose that. It's that's like, a newspaper. That's what Reddit's supposed to be, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah. No, yeah. there's two ways you could actually do that. Um, there's a thing called Little Printer um, by a company I can't remember, but I, I went to listen to the um, 
the podcast sort of founder of (laughs) no i actually went to see them uh, (laughs) but hear the founder talk about oh berg that's their company name berg b-e-r-g and i went to hear him talk about that at the design cheltenham design festival which happens every couple of years but basically, yeah, little printer is basically a thermal printer. It's the same printer you'd find in a shop that gives you till receipts. But it's cute. It's a nice little look, looking device. You've probably seen it a couple of years ago. It does um, ring a bell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. When he was describing it, he basically was looking for technology that wasn't hip at the moment, but still had good value. And the thermal laser printer was, was one of those. And so he developed something around that. And what it does, you've got a little iPhone app and you basically tick the services you want, sign into the services, and then each morning it will print out on this little till receipt. A little ticker um, tape thing. A, a crosswords, your top tweets from people, news articles from publications. I mean, you can still buy them now, I think. Last time I checked, which was at least, you know, maybe a couple of months ago, you could buy them. And I, I really want to buy one. I, I just couldn't justify it because about 100 and something pounds. I just couldn't justify buying one. Mm. But. It's exactly what you, you were saying. The other way of doing it is that a lot of modern printers, and I've got HP Laser that does this, they um, will connect to the internet and they will have a print-on-demand service where you can sign up to newspapers um, and other services where they will, on whatever schedule, print you the news, crosswords, recipes. There's a mm-hmm. service which will print you your week's food uh, recipes on a Sunday and then you get your shopping list and, and everything to go. Again, I think there's some there's some value there, but I don't I don't like I don't like paper. So. I know you don't like paper. You're really <laughs> anti-paper. There's very little paper on my desk, and what's here is irritating me. <laughs> I really like paper, and there's paper everywhere in my room. <laughs> well, maybe you are the perfect candidate for a little printer, or just a maybe modern... it would just be it would just be more. It'd just be this little sort of ticker tape continually printing things. Out. <laughs> what What is really nice about it is when it prints, you always get a bit left over the way it works and it basically prints off a face at the end yeah, that was the my print. Face. and when you yeah. rip it off the face stays on the front of it that's good and so i think the face changes every day it changes all the time depending on how it's feeling and i'm doing air quotes for that and i think yeah. you can even you can even get different faces to go on there. it's such a clever idea around a, a very established technology so yeah, we need to put that in the show notes. A little printer from Berg, and I'll try and find the HP that I bought, which was recommended by Rethink Printing in Hereford. They're good guys. Thank you, Marius. Again, it's, it's a really good printer. I love it. For a printer, I actually do love it. But both of those, I mean, it might be if you really wanted to print Al, then that's my recommendation. Give those a go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back onto online technology. Sure. Have you got anything else, or shall I jump straight into the sponsor? I think uh, let's just jump straight into the sponsor. Okay, well, I'm going to switch over back to TikTok. Um, they're sponsoring this month. Um, so TikTok is for any startup or small business who wants to promote themselves online. Particularly good if you don't know where to start, who to trust, or you just feel too busy running your company to make time for marketing, which frankly, I feel a lot of the time, even though I'm helping other people with it. But TikTok might be a good fit for you. It provides you with simple tasks you can act on right away, not add to your to-do list. Uh, each task contains examples, downloads, or steps needed to complete it. And what I find particularly satisfying, a big button to tick it off when you're done. We've designed TikTok so uh, you can be progress from a newbie to a pro at your own pace, uh, developing confidence and learning more as you go with each task. If you sign up for a 30-day free trial at TikTok, you can do it with just your name and email. You don't need a credit card. You only need to enter that once you're, you're ready to pay. And once you do, it's only £8 a month. If, however, you're a something inventive listener, and I assume you are if you're hearing this, 
then if you let us know you've signed up by mentioning at Rather Inventive on Twitter, say something nice about TikTok or that you've just signed up, we'll make your account so you've got 60 days free. So you get 90 days in total, which I think is pretty awesome. So basically that's it. TikTok helps you be the boss of your marketing one task at a time. Go and sign up at ticked-off.com. Right, so we've been through a couple of uh, topics that we'd like to discuss today. We've got quite a few here, so we'll see what we can cover. So the first topic, um, and it's not really a question we've been asked, but but we do get um, people wanting to know how to produce infographics. So my question really is, are they helpful? What do you think about infographics, Al? Do you think they're helpful to the web or just a pain, a hindrance, and they make the overload of the web far too big? I think it depends on context, really, uh, for the infographics. I like them in terms of like their flat design, because I think that's quite mm. on trend, as it were. I think sometimes they're used as a bit of a gimmick, and you do see them on, if you're looking for like a pre-made theme, like for WordPress or something like that, the classic ones, like the little animated ones with the sort of the numbers. As you go down, it sort of says 4 million customers, oh, yeah. 3,000 cups of tea, and then it, <laughs> all this stuff. That's interesting, like, actually. What you're mentioning there is something that would be applied on a website. It's very similar to how a lot of infographics are and so website is almost looking to the infographic design and producing a website a bit like that oh i, I see what you mean i was thinking of a little panel that it just is infographics but yeah. I, I, I see what you mean they annoy me a little bit because i think people then try to find numbers that fit in <laughs> yeah <laughs> what should we put like the cups of tea thing or like you know how many biscuits are we eating oh the four thousand biscuits you know so there's a kind of prerequisite to find some <laughs> some stats to put into one of these sort of animated things but i'm, I'm generalizing and, that, and that's quite a specific example but um I think infographics generally, I mean, they cover a whole raft of things. To be able to very quickly visually illustrate some complex data or ideas is brilliant. You yeah. know, that's amazing. You know, you see really good um, um, like maps and things. I quite like mapping and, and maps and stuff. So when you see things where maps are broken down into just really more understandable concepts, that's mm -hmm. great. It's not really an infographic, but I saw a thing this week on Facebook. Other social sites are available um, that had it was a video really so it's not really a kind of static infographic as such it was looking at stats in the uk but as if the uk only consisted of 100 people yeah so it just said if the uk was 100 people then you know 13 people would be unemployed or like uh, one person would okay. be so it makes quite it, rich it makes it easier for us to understand <laughs> yeah it's a yeah. break it's a breakdown uh again that's probably not really an infographic well as no such. i think i think people tie up the name infographic with those long, um, very, very long graphics that you tend to see posted on Twitter or Pinterest. But I think an infographic can be anything where you're basically trying to present information in a graphical way. So a graph is effectively an infographic. Um, but graphs are a bit dull, aren't they? Yeah, they can and, be. And that's what an interactive infographic is amazing as well, because then you can just, you know, really quickly get information yourself. You're discovering the information rather than just saying, here's your graph, you can work out what the trends are. <laughs> like just looking at on his name, we were naming our daughter. Um, I was really into like the name stats of like popular names because I didn't want a popular name. Um, yeah, but it will become was, popular because everyone reads those. <laughs> so I was waiting for the name stats to come out and they were late. So we had to just go with last year's data. But um, there was a nice little tool. And again, not complicated. We just put a name in and then you could quickly just have a look at the graph and just hover over different years and you could quite quickly see the trend curves for those names from the last 100 years. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, just really useful. 
Yeah, I think I think they can be useful. Certainly, if you need to provide information, it, whether they are crucial. Um, I mean, I, th- I think some people think that they are necessary in order to to um, engage people on social media and get people to do something. I think the idea. Whether, whether it's a long infographic or not, I think is, is less relevant. It's whether you, you can present something which is useful and clear and helps people understand information. Yeah. Um, I think that's, you know, that, that can help. I mean, for example, working with um, Kitchen Company and they, um, one of their um, team, she's very good at illustrating. So we're, we're sort of, and I think it works quite nicely with, with their site design. So she, we're always encouraging her to develop more of the graphics to go on the site because it's quite sketchy. It looks quite nice. It's, it's earthy. It's, it's unique to them. It's, it's and bespoke. Yeah, it certainly is bespoke. And um, uh, we're trying to develop, um, I guess you would call it an infographic to help people understand how the process will work. So the buying process, you know, so once we make contact with you, what steps are we going to go through that sort of thing? To make it more friendly, because you could just have a bullet point, bullet pointed bit of text to explain everything, which is fine, totally okay, but much better to have some illustrations to show how things are going to work. And I'd see that's a sort of infographic as well, or at least in the same style. It certainly can look nice. There's a link I want to put in the note for Creative Block website. It's got a couple of tools or how to create infographics, but one I found um, a lot of people. I found most useful and a lot of people seem to like is called Canva. It does have a lot of infographic templates, which might make your infographic look like a lot of other people's infographics, but at least it's somewhere to start and enables you mm. to, to produce things quite quickly. It's quite nice, actually quite a nice design tool. Shall we move on to the next one, which is the best way to embed video on a website. And we had a, many people ask this in different ways for various different reasons, actually. But the, the two that we use mainly are YouTube. And in fact, I would recommend most people, if at all possible, to use YouTube because it can benefit a site from a, a search engine point of view. But there are a couple of others, aren't there, Al? What are your mm. experience with them? Well, the way I look at it, and that, this might not be quite right, but the way I look at it is, is YouTube is kind of for the masses. Mm-hmm. And then um, Vimeo, which is for me the second, my second uh, sort of big one, is like YouTube for grown-ups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so i mean really if we're talking about online video for me it's one of those two yeah. it, i think it just depends on what it is you're doing if you're a filmmaker then it's vimeo you know it's just because that's where all filmmakers call you know quality videos yeah live. it does seem that the creative um audience seem to go to vimeo if you're doing like a how-to or maybe putting up a shed or something like that youtube is the place yeah. because it will be found in another way Vimeo, as I say, it's just almost, yeah, it's just a stall step above. Um, and yes, you have to pay for certain accounts. Um, I think it's to do with usage or potentially how many videos you can upload a month. It's but, not a huge you know, amount, though. Yeah, it's like 20, 40 quid, something like that. It's not per year. It's, not it's worth, it's not massive and it's worth paying for. And I know there's always this thing online, where, oh, it's free, you know. But, you know, these things are really complicated and, and a oh, lot yeah. of a lot of man hours of, of programming to get it to work on every device you know it's worth paying for that so really, yeah you know, so someone's got to pay for it somewhere if, stepping aside i mean video used to be really really hard um it still can be a bit of a pain if you're doing it yourself but if you were to embed video on your own site mm. so um we you produce a video in imovie or something like that you export it and it's a, a dot mp4 generally um i mean you can go and just put a html5 um, video tag in there and link link to the file, but that you doesn't could. work on all browsers. No, it doesn't. Uh, we did something uh, on a site HTML5 video, 
And it was a bit of a minefield at the time uh, with the different formats and the different browsers supporting different video formats. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was a bit of a learning curve there. <laughs> Because we needed total control over the video. We needed like total control, yes. It. We couldn't embed it because it was a very uh, very innovative, I might say, or inventive even, uh, use of video behind um, some words cut out, so behind a mask. Yeah. So the video would sort of reveal the words by playing in this sort of inner shape. You just couldn't do that with um, YouTube or Vimeo, just the way they work with iPhones. It's, it would be impossible. So we had to do that. Um, and really, you end up sort of building a little mini Vimeo, you know, or a mini YouTube you know then you're going to need controls to play and pause and you need volume suddenly you're building all of these things and you can literally with youtube get it for free you know if you're okay with having it looking like a youtube video well you've got to, you worry about the bandwidth usage as well potentially i mean if you're paying for your own server you have that as a problem if if people are downloading that video they're downloading it directly from your site if you've um, put the file on there so that may that may slow things down whereas with youtube mm. that's youtube or, or vimeo that's all they do that's all their services do and i would um, absolutely endorse using those over doing it yourself so any, which unless you, you had to which which would you pick well i'll tell you how i would might look at it you can let me know so with youtube i think is great for anything where you want anyone to find it and you want that mm -hmm. search engine benefit because if it's tight close tie with google your um your video is going to be indexed pretty quickly on google it also may if use the embed code from youtube and put it on your blog post or site wherever it needs to go you've got some chance of that video actually dragging up your um, post so it gets it's more likely to be found for certain keywords same things apply actually with the titles that you want your keywords to be at the beginning um, and it, it does give you lots of good stats i think it's got a lot of useful information particularly demographic information because a lot of people might be signed into youtube so there's a lot of mm. information there but it's a messy interface um, if you go to YouTube directly, you can remove some of the interface elements, but it's not you, it's not perfect. You can. I was just about yeah, to make a note on that. Um, when you embed it on your site, there are certain things you can do, which you see people miss, uh, which is uh, it's a real oversight. Uh, for example, it's quite easy to when you when you play a YouTube video on your site, embedded it in what's called an iframe, so it's really playing on YouTube, but it, it appears in your site mm -hmm. at the end. YouTube will automatically show lots of other videos that you might be interested in, which are nothing to do with you at all. And you've no control over what that is. Yeah, they yeah, might even on be your site. It could be terrible stuff. You know, it's on your site. And I've seen that so many times and it's so unprofessional. I, I, I don't like it. But there's a very quick way of turning those off. And there's a little um, put on the iframe. You can put a little uh, variable on the end of the URL called rel equals zero, which means related basically turns off related videos at the end. You That's can also it. tick a box in YouTube when you're embedding if you don't want to remember what that code is. Oh, really? Oh, I'm on the technical yeah, yeah. side. I yeah, yeah, you just do it all off by heart, but you can do that. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's very handy. Um, yeah, and I think that's crucial because uh, I've, I've seen you go on the site and it looks all great and then it gets the end of the video and then you're seeing stuff which is really inappropriate for what you're looking at. Yeah, no, you know? that's and it, it, I think it really does damage to your brand. Yeah, really, it depends what it is. It's very it, damaging. I think if you're, if you're blogging and you're a bit more of an informal blogger, maybe doing it personally, it's less of an issue and it doesn't really matter and may, may even be useful. But certainly if you're a business, then there's no excuse I, to have it on there. I actually disagree with you on that one. I, I think there's no excuse for having it on there. Really? Because you, always turn you, can keep, you can keep surfing YouTube videos and where are you going to get yeah. to? And you're looking at a, a completely inappropriate true. video it becomes and very you're odd. still yeah. surrounded yeah. by your branding on your site and it's yeah. on your site and that's that video playing. And it's not right. It's not good. Yeah. It's not good. I said, if you're a business, there's, there's absolutely no excuse to, to not have that on there. With Vimeo, though, however, 
I think the main benefit, and we've had this with a few schools we've worked with, that is you can control what websites that gets embedded on. Indeed. So with yeah. a paid account, you can say, I only want that video to play on our site. You can even restrict it not to play on Vimeo. So it basically only plays on your domain. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you've got that control. And then also the actual player just looks more grown up. Yeah. And it just looks easier to use. And you can adapt the player on, on YouTube to sort of take out all of the regular buttons and things. But um, yeah, I, I do like I do like Vimeo for that. And it's just as easy to use. The embed options are nice and simple, so it's quite quick. Um, another one we've come across, which was mentioned by a client, um, which I've not heard of, um, and it was called Wistia. Yes, that's right. And I that a... seems to include many of the options that Vimeo has, but you said it actually has more stats at that. Well, yeah, we never actually used it in the end, but I did look into it because it's not, to be fair, it's not something I'd heard of. I, I'd never really looked anywhere beyond YouTube and Vimeo. Those are kind of my my you know, calling ports for when people say <laughs> Vimeo, uh, video. I don't really look any further. So, um, yeah, Wistia is a new one on me. Uh, it seems to be almost like Vimeo uh, plus one, if you see what I mean. So it's yeah. like that. Uh, and then you get other things like uh, I think it integrates more with other services you might want to use. I think you've got much better tracking. And I don't just mean like video views. I think it can really track kind of how long people watch the video mm -hmm. or perhaps other interactions that they do. And then it can perhaps fire them emails or do other things depending on how far into the video they've got. Um, so I think the analytics side is a bit more than Vimeo. Mm -hmm. um, again, uh, but analytics isn't something I really get into too much with videos anyway, generally. So I'm, I'm no expert on that. Certainly a lot of big people are using Wistia, you know, so it's it's not, um, shouldn't be ignored necessarily. Again, it's yeah. a paid for service. That's as much as I know about it. I haven't actually used it, so I'm not, um, well, I'll put I'm not on authority. Homework. I'm going to write it down now <laughs> on my scrappy paper that I, I don't like. You see, you can't beat a pen and paper sometimes. <laughs> you really can't. Well, I just don't want to disturb the other elements on my screen because they're holding everything I need to know. <laughs> um, cool, thanks. I don't, is there anything more on that? Or, or we can cross that one off. Um, I, I, in the very basic terms, yes. Obviously, there's a lot more to online video, but yes, in, in a sense. That's talking about the services, but actually there, there is another element, which I don't think we can cover now. Maybe we can tackle next time, is embedding video in a way that responds nicely as well. So by response, when you um, shrink shrink and mm. grow the browser so it goes from a desktop through to down to a, a mobile, a mobile yeah. That, yeah. That the video will actually grow correctly and won't get yeah. stuck. Because that, that's a little, you know, there's a few little tricks that you need to do for that. It's a, it's a big annoyance. They don't do it out of the box. So Vimeo no. or YouTube won't resize or it won't be fluid. The video box will just sort of stay at a set size, which is a problem. There is a very nifty little um, bit of uh, CSS you can do with wrapping just one element around your iframe, a div element with a class, a certain CSS class with some... Um, declarations in there for styling your video will then respond to screen size i use it all the time can it's you amazing. can you send me the link and i'll make sure it goes in the, in the notes because that absolutely know, that, that's quite useful the other thing i we didn't do, yeah the other thing we do we use a, a plugin on wordpress called visual composer and that has a very simple way of embedding videos it's got a video object um, and if you dump that video object in you can just paste in the url of the uh, vimeo or youtube video and it will it'll it'll pop that in the right place and, and make it sure it's responsive what it doesn't do is allow you to control the player controls. It doesn't, it doesn't allow a very granular control of it. So basically it's like it puts the player in, you, you can put that rel equals zero on the end to make sure it's not going to play things like that. Yeah. But it's, it's very limited in, in what it does. Does it do responsive yeah, yeah. when you put it in? Yeah. Does it now? Yeah, it's very good. Mm, okay. Have you, have, you not, have you not seen all the lovely videos I've put in with Well, it? yeah, but I thought you were just using my CSS code that I'd added in. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> I think when 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 we've done sort of uh, mainline videos, sort of big videos that that sit on the front page or or that go in key areas, I think that they tend to be more hard coded in. So so that's where your player would come in. Anything where we just need a little bit of video appearing in the content. No, I've used that. It worked very well. Uh, it might be doing it by JavaScript on on width, which is yeah. a, uh... I have, okay. I have no idea, but it works really well. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, send me the link, I'll, I'll put it in. So um, let's go on to, you've been promising this for ages, but we haven't got time for all of it. I just want to look at um, how to protect from WordPress hacks, because we do have a few, you know, actually customers don't seem to be worried about it until it happens. Um, Indeed, and then they, yeah. then they become customers, actually, because <laughs> we can help them out. Um, but is it maybe you can give us some advice, Al, on, on what we can do to help prevent a WordPress hack or okay. vulnerabilities take place. This is a big, big in, in thing. In five minutes. In five minutes. Okay. <laughs> well, let's perhaps be useful just to quickly just give a summary of what a WordPress hack is. Yeah. Good. Because we're we're kind of like familiar with the term hack. Um, we hear hacking going on all the time in the news. That people, you know, big services get hacked and all their data stolen and stuff. Mm. So when we talk about WordPress hacks, it's not personal. It's not anyone targeting you specifically. It, it's because WordPress powers like what fifty percent of the internet possibly more than that so half the internet is wordpress sites maybe more 25 but are you sure about that yeah yeah okay it's right. a lot i saw i saw a different infographic to you oh well share 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 but i, I it was um 25 last time i saw was it oh okay yeah. well maybe, somewhere maybe between it's 50, 50 and 25 of the world's cat websites that, that could be right <laughs> yes I must it's, it's certainly a lot it's more, it's more than any other because um no, no other content management system takes up um, that amount. They're all bespoke, so there's just like tons yeah. of others. So yeah. So anyway, given its prevalence on the internet, if you're a hacker, it would make sense to try and hack this because yeah. if you break it on one, you've got a lot of sites you can break into. So it's not personal when if your site gets hacked at all. And normally they're probably not looking to steal data. You might not have any data that's really of any value. Often what I've seen on sites I've worked on that have been hacked is stuff gets put in, and it's often link, spammy links to things. So it's like it's just corny, like cheap Rolex watches and stuff. You know, they put in links to completely dodgy sites <laughs> or even legitimate sites where uh, almost like black hat SEO people are trying to get backlinks to certain sites. So yeah. they'll affect other WordPress sites to put links in. It's so oh, it just does my head in. But it's so you know pointless. And they're kind of just backpacking uh, you know, on your site to try and get links to this other site or to get people to buy stuff really annoying so there's that or there's sometimes malicious stuff which will try and download malicious stuff behind the scenes to your computer and then that will at work as a kind of robot in some ddos attack or something or then once it's on we'll try and steal data from your computer yes you know maybe some sensitive data so really a hack is it's not good in any sense no. <laughs> i mean the, the better ones are the ones where there's just spammy links on there because you can kind of get rid of that a bit more easily your host the, the first time you might be alerted to this is your host might email you saying we've noticed a vulnerability or, or a malicious code on your site and we've shut it down depends on your host what they do sometimes they'll give you a grace period other times they'll just say we've just shut your site down it's not there right now they won't have deleted it but it's behind the scenes now the, the problem with that I, I in fact a friend of mine had this happen to them and um, their host is like no your site's offline until you can prove that it's okay and we'll run our diagnostic on it and prove that it's okay and of course, when it's offline, it's actually quite hard to fix if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you've just got a massive load of files. I mean, this I, I saw the threads with them and their the support people, and they were saying you just need to you know remove all the malicious files. And the guy's like, well, I, what are the malicious files? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of files, and WordPress has a lot of files, and you, some of them may look. How would you spot a dodgy one? You, you can't. Um, there are various online tools that I use actually on 
a site when it's when it's up and running you couldn't use if it's not up and running so then you have to make a copy of that site when it locally this is all often out of the scope of a lot of people who are just running a website you know, know to do they're, all just, they, they're not even aware necessarily that they they have a hack until until they're told and then they have no idea what to do with it it's really difficult and the onus is always on the site owner rather than the hosting provider which i think is a bit mean um you know just to say all oh, your sites you know been hacked bye-bye you know it's like well what can you have helped me prevent this or can't you tell me what the files are or, or remove them yourself or something but they they wouldn't really touch your site because they'd be worried about breaking it but um so what i'm talking about rather fixing it right now is more of sort of preventing it happening mm -hmm. in the first place of course that's obviously amazing if you can do that because you have more confidence in your site that it's not going to get hacked easily i mean even you know, by putting a wordpress you know site online you know that day you'll be hacked and some sites are constantly getting um trying to be hacked you know um, by what's called like brute force attacks or mm -hmm. dictionary attacks just trying and trying and trying to log in to your WordPress account by the Yeah, so what are the different types? There, there are people, there are vulnerabilities that people can, are not a vulnerability, basically it's brute force. So so people can get, um, will try lots of different words until they get the password right. And that yeah. that just takes time. That's possible with enough time. So I guess the better the password you have, the longer it is. In fact, Absolutely. I heard something recently. It's not to do with how, how many odd characters you use. It's just to do with the length. The longer your password is, the better, the more secure it is. It just takes longer to crack. Yeah. yeah but there are other and they'll methods. try, like, with the dictionary attack, they'll try common, you know, passwords like dragon or banana yeah. or test123 or password123. But also um, common just never, ever. Yeah. So, so oh, like, yes. Usernames too. You need sure a username and a password combination. Yeah. There's nearly always an admin uh, login uh, username for, for WordPress. Yeah. So never have a, a username called admin. Yeah. And, and, and the other the other vulnerabilities are we see more often is where a theme or a plugin on the website has a, for all intents and purposes, a hole in it um, that uh -huh. someone can exploit. So a bit of code Indeed. that isn't locked down and someone can take advantage yeah. of the way it's been written and gain yeah. access to. It may not be the whole site. It may be they can just gain access to writing some files in a, a yeah. directory. As soon as they That's can they write files to somewhere, then they can do things with it. And if they, you know, they're going to know WordPress and they can do things, they can inject code, they can um, get it to download stuff. Yeah, so you've got to, you've got to make sure that they just can't write a file to anywhere. And you, I've seen it many times, files are written into completely random places, so mm -hmm. there's no you know rules to it. Um, and yes, you're right, sometimes old, out of date, plugins or even new plugins will have a vulnerability if you imagine you know something there was a thing recently on wordpress where there was a bit of uh it wasn't quite clear in the codex for wordpress what a certain um function did mm -hmm. and so even some of the big players i think like yoast seo and loads and loads of other big um plugins that are used on millions of sites i just slightly coded this wrong because the the codex was a little bit uh difficult and it was a bit what's the word i'm looking for indeterminate on how to do yeah. it and and so yeah, that caused a big problem in that they could you can inject code through loads and loads of plugins. So that was quite an urgent thing to update on everyone's site once that was discovered. Um, but that sort of vulnerability had been there for a while, but no one kind of knew it was there, so yes. it wasn't exploited. As soon as it's out of the world, then you've got to react. And that, that's everyone the thing is that you can have a vulnerability, <laughs> but until people know about it, you're fine. So what what are the best ways we can help protect okay. ourselves with with WordPress? So a WordPress website protect, specifically? In a nutshell, because we haven't got much time, would be don't use the admin username use very long, complicated passwords that you cannot remember, although having to write them down, that's, that's a flaw I still well. think that's better, writing it down in your office. At least it's in one place, if, uh, and it's more difficult for them. Yes, 
if you get to get hacked, it would be a personal thing, maybe an employee or someone else coming in. Yes, exactly. It would be a targeted thing. I'm just trying to yeah, stop un untargeted uh, hacking here. Um, so yes, use a long uh, password, numbers, letters, symbols, as long as feasible. Yeah. Don't use too many plugins and also free plugins. Avoid free plugins. Uh, I mean, I use free plugins, but just keep them to a minimum. You don't necessarily need a plugin for every single thing. And some plugins may just be coded with a, a vulnerability. And once they're distributed, then the hackers can then use that. When people write code and write plugins, you know, that's not a five minute job. That's sometimes thousands of hours of work. Mm. And it's worth paying for if it helps you and helps your site. It's not a big amount. So I'm always endorsing buying plugins. Somewhere like Code Canyon is a good place. That's generally where I look. And there, there are some great free plugins. Um, we use, uh, is it Yoast for yeah, SEO? Um, yeah. For the ability to alter meta titles and so on. And the other one that does analytics, I can't remember his name now. But we use a few good free ones. But otherwise, yeah, we're all for either trying to not use a plugin by the fact we've gone so far as writing our own theme because we found a lot of themes that we have used in the past when you know if we're developing a sort of lower value site and um, we've used an off-the-shelf theme they can actually be vulnerable so we we've, we've, we just don't use them anymore and we um, our developed a theme which we use as a basis for everything now and, and so and it's it's better in that respect anecdotally we had one site that was hacked almost on a monthly basis which wasn't one that we um, made. Oh, well, maybe it was one of these. I think it was a theme that we'd got. Theme. I think the budget was there for the theme. And it just obviously had a vulnerability in it. And to be able to find that vulnerability is extremely difficult. And in fact, I never waste my time looking for the vulnerability. I just update everything. Yeah. And and then we just almost like a wait and see, hope that's done the job. It was based <laughs> around the the theme was had vulnerabilities, but also updates weren't being made over 12 months or something like that. Again, uh, yeah. And... After a while, maybe the theme developer goes away and you don't update, update the theme, you're worried it might break something, and then slowly it starts to decay and then little vulnerabilities creep in, and then boom, you've got this continual problem of having to fix it. So we just, yeah, we just completely got rid of it, built it, a complete duplicate site that looks identical in our theme, and it hasn't been hacked. No. But obviously everything's still trying to hack it because it's probably on some list somewhere. That's this the problem, is yeah, once you're, on, once you're so, being vulnerable, you're on a list. So yeah, so it hasn't been hacked. So clearly that, that's, that was what the problem was. But on that note, there's two plugins that, oh, so just quickly on plugins. I'm okay with free plugins and I tend to use them if there is a, a pro version of that plugin mm -hmm. because I know then it's looked after because that's the way in they get their new customers, you buy it and you think, yeah, this is useful and then you maybe get extra features by paying for it. Great. So I, I always look for those plugins because they're looked after, maintained, and um, you can always get the pro version if need be. Yeah. So there we go. That's a quick bit of advice there. Uh, other thing, other plugins that I use specifically for security, there's two. One called iThemes Security, which was previously known as uh, WP Better Security. That's been out there for ages. That's a really good tool for just adding in loads of preventative measures rather than have to do them manually. It does them for you. Mm. For example, it will just lock down directory browsing, which is a vulnerability on some hosting uh, providers. It will um, tell you that you've got a username called admin with an ID of one and change it. If people continually try to log into your login screen, it will block them after like 15 tries. So it, it's just actively stopping all the really common ways that someone might try to hack your site. So that that's a really good um, first port of call for a mm -hmm. security. It's like got a one-click secure thing and then you can go through and do other things. There are a lot of options. but And it can be confusing for, you know, until you know that. what the options do. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's probably a bit overwhelming for a lot of people. But you know, if you are managing a site yourself, it's probably worth taking the time. Once you've made a backup, 
to sit down and go through the options. Yeah, absolutely cannot hurt. Just putting it on and doing one click secure and just locking down certain files as well so they're not writable uh, is just really useful. Um, another plugin we use is WordFence. That does have a, a kind of firewall with it as well, which sort of prevents a lot of stuff um, coming in. For me, I look at that more of as a kind of, uh, whereas um, I think security is kind of preventative, it's much more sort of monitoring. So it will tell you if you do have a problem. Yeah whereas the other one won't so it's kind of got this really handy kind of site scanner and it will say this has got a problem you suddenly got a problem in this file it will tell you this looks malicious when it happened you can compare it with what the, the file looked like before again you may need a bit of knowledge as to spotting like dodgy code but usually after a while you can kind of spot it and you can just then delete that file if it's it'll tell you that's not a core file so it's not even supposed to be there and you just delete it yeah. But the thing is, it probably will come back unless you do something. Yeah, you've got to do something. <laughs> what I like about it as well is you can set up a monthly report that comes through and that can be your uh, regular push to go and make sure everything's updated in the sites because it will tell you if there's been any issues, what needs updating. Uh, and I think that's quite useful as a nudge to do that, which, you know, it keeps it quite quiet. Otherwise, you're getting constant notifications coming through from WordPress and that sort of mm -hmm. quietens them down and, and makes it so that you don't ignore them. You'll actually take action on them. Yeah. And again, the more plugins you use on your site, the more often you're going to have to go in and update those plugins and potentially have plugin version conflicts. So again, keeping plugins on your site to a minimum is, is, is always, yeah, always a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for that, Al. I think I wrote something um, not quite as in-depth as what you've got here, but it mentions those two plugins um, in the Love Your Site um, series that I wrote about. Um, so we'll get that linked in, in the show notes because that's got some, it's got tips on those plugins, securing your site and backing up, which I think you need for all of those. Backing up and also updating WordPress regularly. Yeah. Although there are security updates automatically um, now with a lot of the versions above 3.7. But um, uh, yeah, it's still a great idea to update WordPress regularly. Yeah. But it's taking, it's, taking backups too. It's generally not that onerous if if you set up right, you're not using too many plugins and it, it's fine. It's just a, it's a case of manage, managing the process. That's a, um, whole other, that's a whole other podcast <laughs> issue that one. Yeah. It is. Well, we had two more items, but I think we'll skip those um, for now. We'll, put, we'll push them onto the backlog for next time okay. um, to see if we can keep to our 45 minutes or so. So we'll leave it there for the moment. Um, Al, you're at Inventive Al on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'm at Ben Kinnaird. You can also follow Rather Inventive at Rather Inventive on Twitter. We finished our workshop series for this year, the Marketing Fundamentals. So sorry, no more of those this year but we're hoping to do something a little bit different next year stay tuned i was wondering about whether to put out a survey to see what people would be interested in um but we'll see if anything comes of that <laughs> if if you like the podcast it'd be good to hear back from you either just feedback on twitter to any one of the accounts i just mentioned or you can give us a review on the apple podcast player or you can recommend the episode in overcast if that's what you use um just a quick mention go and see ticked-off.com um, sign up for that it's completely free as I said you don't need a credit card just your name and email uh, and if you if you like it mention Rather Inventive and TikTok on Twitter and you'll get another 60 days for free so that's like 90 days for free so you'll be able to go through all of the marketing fundamentals that we've got on there and hopefully be, be better at marketing that's it Al good talking to you and see you next week not next week next month even <laughs> next time for the next, next episode see next instalment <laughs> okay bye 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 <laughs> Dick it, bum, 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 d